There's a word that uh, came into our coat vocabulary more often probably than it was before, a few years ago, a few years back. Some of you may know it, some of you have probably used it, and that word's hoarding. Everybody ever heard the word hoarding? Anybody ever feel like they're a hoarder? Or anybody ever know a hoarder? Uh, now, I know that uh, we, we see some extreme cases. If you look it up online at the, Web, in, at the Webster's Dictionary webpage, you're going to get three, different, three definitions, and I want to read two of those to you. The first one says hoarding, the practice of collecting or accumulating something, such as money or food. And the second one is a psychology definition, and it says this, the compulsion to continually accumulate a variety of items that are often considered useless or worthless by others, accompanied by an inability to discard the items without great distress. Now, I don't know if any of y'all remember that show that was on A&E. It ran for six seasons called Hoarders. Now, I know in this show, these were extreme cases of hoarding, and it featured people with real-life struggles and received treatment for their compulsion hoarding disorder. Now, as each hoarder received help and treatment, the primary battle was parting with their belongings. And I remember watching this show a few times and just hurting for these people because they were so attached to those items that they could not find comfort without those items in their life. And I, I, just, remember, I just remember watching that and just hurting for them and just hoping that they could find somehow. And I know some people, we look at them and we think, uh, man, they're just crazy or, or whatever. But the truth is there, there's, there's that emotional attachment to some of those things and it's a, um, a disease or whatever you want to uh, label it as, um, but these are real issues. And Peter Kramer, who's an American psychiatrist and faculty member of Brown Medical School, he says this, people justify hoarding as curating and recycling, deeming odd objects beautiful and useful. Now, while I know that this is a radical behavior and, and many people have a, uh, a hoarding mentality when it comes uh, to money, I, I so today in our series, Money Talks, I want to look at this mindset, and I want you to think about this. Uh, the world's money says, hoard me, but God's money says, save me, and, and we're going to look at the difference. There's a difference in the two, and we're going to look at that. The first thing that we need to remember about money is it's not yours. It's not yours. Did you know that? It doesn't matter if you got a $20 bill right now in your wallet. Guess what? It's not yours. It all belongs to God. He just lets us use it. Look at Psalm 24.1. It says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Haggai chapter 2 verse 8 says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. So I want you to understand that. Everything that you have is not yours. And that's the first thing that we have to grasp and that we have to understand is that every money, every dime, every penny, every nickel that we've ever accumulated in our life is not ours, but it's God's. And if we understand that, and if we can learn that concept and grasp the fact that it's God's, then it's going to be a lot easier in this life. If you have your Bibles with you, 
Go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. I'm going to read two verses this morning to begin. I've got another verse I'm going to read, but I'm going to start with Matthew, chapter 6, verse 19. Matthew, chapter 6, verse 19. I'll give you just a second to turn there if you've got a Bible and you want to follow along with your Bible. I will have it on the screen. There it is. Matthew, chapter 6, verse 19 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. First, I want you to understand, Jesus is not instructing you to not save. Everybody understood what I just said? Jesus is not telling you, don't save your money. That's not what he's saying here. Don't even think that. You should save. It's important that we save. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 20 says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. You should definitely save money for future plans. What Jesus is condemning is the attitude toward money and possessions that makes these things more important than eternal values. Now look at what he uh, said in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Think about that. Think about that. Where's my heart? Where's my heart position? What's my heart think about? And I know you say, well, that's your mind that thinks. Yeah, but it's all because of your heart. (laughs) This body don't do anything without the heart. The mind controls everything that we thought and process it. You know, what is it they say? Those neurons, I'm sure I'm, I'm not a science guy. So, but what is it, neurons that goes to your mind, your mind tells your fingers to move and all those, whatever it is, you know what I'm talking about? And so, but here's the thing, that stuff doesn't work unless the heart's pumping blood. Do you get what I'm saying? The heart and the mind work together. So where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever our focus lies, whatever occupies our thought and our time, that is our treasure. Jesus is warning us to not let our hearts be wrapped around our treasures. Our heart will be with our treasure. What we treasure most controls us whether we like to admit it or not. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you want to know where your heart is, look at your bank account. Ooh, hear me. If you want to know where your heart is, look at your bank account. Where do you spend the most money? Are you consumed with entertainment? Are you consumed with clothing or a large house payment? Where is your treasure located? That is where your heart is. How much do you give to God? What percentage do you tithe? These are things to look at. Where where is your treasure? Because that is where your heart will be. Jesus is warning us. Then look at what he says in Matthew chapter Matthew uh, uh, our our text Matthew chapter six verse twenty four. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. If you look at the word serve in the Greek, it is dulevo. Yeah, say that many times. 
And it means to be dominated by or be a slave to. And Jesus says you can't be a slave to both God and money. Which one are you going to let control your life? The key in every area of your finances is when you put God first. When you do, watch how he provides. Think about this for just a moment. And I want you to understand, I'm not here to tell you how to spend your money. I'm just here to tell you what God says about money, okay? The Israelites, they spent 40 years in the wilderness totally dependent on God. Completely dependent on God. They had to rely on him. They had to rely on God. They had no other choice. They, 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 were, they would walk, they would get up, they would, uh, uh, manna would just fall out of heaven every morning. And they'd get up and they'd go and they'd gather up all this manna and they'd come. Manna was a white flaky substance, it was like bread. Manna literally means, what is it? <laughs> That's what it means in the Hebrew, what is it? And each morning the Israelites were told to gather what they needed for that day. They only had one rule. And that rule, and the, um, it, this rule was to protect them from hoarding. If they gathered more than they needed, the manna became infested with maggots. And there was one exception, and that was the day before the Sabbath. The Israelites were to gather twice as much manna so they could rest on the Sabbath. And for that day, that one extra day, it would not rot. This was their instructions every single day. That's what they would do. They'd get up. I mean, think about your morning routines. What do we do? We usually get up. You know, some of you might go make your coffee first. Some of you might just get up, go start taking a shower and getting dressed and getting ready. Some of you might use the bathroom. I don't know. Whatever your routine is, we all have a routine, don't we? We all have things that we do. We all, uh, we all sit there and do certain things certain ways. They would get up every single morning. The first thing they would do, they would go out, they would gather the manna for the day, and they'd come in and they'd start their day. That's how their day started. Every single morning, they would do that. God would provide the manna. It would fall from the sky, and there it was. It was there for them to take. God was teaching his people to trust him. That's what he was doing. He was teaching them to trust them. Where in your own life is God teaching you to trust him? That's what saving is. Saving is all about having a heart that's right before God. A heart that trusts him enough to say, I am not going to hoard money or things because God alone is my portion. Amen? God is who I put my trust in. God is who I put my faith in. God is who I depend on and rely on. Now remember I said it earlier. This does not mean that we aren't to save. I, I, I never said that. Joseph God instructed the Egyptians to save during the seven years of plenty to prepare for the seven years of famine that would follow. He saved money. He saved uh, resources so that they would have them during the famine. He had seen a dream. He had had a vision from God. And so here he was. He was doing exactly what he needed to do. And Pharaoh trusted Joseph, and Joseph kept all of Egypt and ultimately his own family and the Israelite people from starving. Joseph trusted God enough to save when God said to save. The difference between Joseph and the Israelites trying to hoard manna was the posture of their hearts. 
When God said save, Joseph saved. When God told the Israelites not to hoard, they had to trust and only gather enough for the day. And let me tell you something. I truly believe that God will lead you and he's going to guide you if you let him. That's the hardest part, isn't it, sometimes? We like control, don't we? (laughs) Anybody here not like control? We like having control of things that we may not necessarily can control. We want to control everything, don't we? We want to control our schedules. We want to control our time limits. We want to tell everybody when to get up and when to, I mean, do we not? We want to control our life. And there's some things in our life that we don't get to control, and it just make infuriates us sometimes, don't it? That's the way people are. That we're just like that. We, we like control. We like knowing where we're going, what we're doing. You know, we don't like the unknown. Amen? Anybody else with me? I like knowing what's happening in my life. I like knowing what's going on in my life. But God will lead you and guide you if you let him. And that applies as much to money as it does to every other area of your life. You know, it's funny, Christians get all up in arms if they ever talk about taking in God we trust off of our money. But how many times do we actually trust God with our money? Do you hear what I'm saying? We get mad about it, don't we? I can't believe they're going to talk about taking in God we trust off our money. You know, and we'll, we'll, we'll go out and we'll protest and we'll have riots or we'll just get all upset and, and mad about it and, and we'll just have crusades and we'll go around. You leave that on our money. But how many times when God tells us to give that we're like, but God, God, this is mine. God, I got bills to pay. God, I've, I, I, God, I got to do this or I got to do that. We can get all irate about them wanting to take that off of the money. But the truth is, how often do we actually put our trust in God to take care of all of our needs? As the Israelites prepared to enter the promised land, Moses reminded them of how God provided manna in the wilderness, how God kept even their clothes from wearing out. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 16 through 18. It says, he gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Who gave you the wealth that you have? See, even if you don't inherit a dime from your family and you didn't work, and even if you didn't work hard to build wealth up yourself, God gave you the strength of your hands and the creativity of your mind. God's the one who gave you the very ability to build the wealth you have, whether that's a lot or whether it's a little. God, I want to say thanks. For all that I have. And here let me me give this to you as well. And if you're struggling. And I don't mean just because the economy is bad. I mean really struggling. Where is your heart at? Are you completely trusting God with your finances? 
I can tell you this. Every time I get ready to preach a series on money, I try to do it about once every two or three years, and I know it's one of the hardest things that I ever have to do is preach on money. And I don't do it because I need your money. God's taking care of this church. If I, I want, if anything that you want to give, we'll take it. <laughs> but I can tell you that God has always provided. He's never not provided for this church. I can tell you there's been times at this church years and years past where I didn't know how I was going to get paid. But I paid my tithe first and foremost, and God provided. I can't explain it. And let me tell you something. It's not explainable. There's been times where we were struggling at the church, and I didn't know what I was going to do, but yet somehow the money came through. Every time when I sit down, my tithes for this week, even though I haven't got paid yet, I paid it already. Why? Because I don't want to not give God first. Because I'm saying, God, I'm putting my trust in you and I'm laying this in your hands and I'm giving it to you and I'm saying, here, now bless the rest. That's what we're doing is we're coming. We're placing our trust in him. We're not placing our trust in, and man, can I tell you that if you pay the electric bill first, I promise you the electric company's not going to bless the rest. Amen? If you put gas in your car, I promise you, uh, Phillips 66 or, or Conoco or any of those other uh, gas stations out there, they're not going to bless the rest. Amen? Therefore, I, play, I pay my tithe first and ask God to bless the rest. So how much money is enough? Money says there's never enough. You need, to, you need me to be happy. You need more of me to sleep at night. But what does God say? Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says to you, trust me, I will provide. I will give you the strength you need. I will supply your needs. Remember, you can't take the money that you have with you. Amen? You can't take it with you. Remember our text, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Few possessions are long-lasting and none are eternal. It's where your treasure is that counts. So why should we save then? Why should we save? Look at James chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. He says, now listen, you rich people. Weep and well because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. James isn't saying that saving is a terrible thing to do. But when we hoard money simply for ourselves, it's not going to last. And saving has to be done with a purpose in mind. We have to avoid any unnecessary expenses that are wasteful. In other words, purchase what you need, but don't be extravagant keep it basic it all comes down to living a life of simplicity by deciding what we require and what we're willing to go without heaven is our home amen heaven is our destination heaven is where we want to be it's where we want to go not earth 
And when we save, that should be in our minds. Where are you storing up your treasures? There's only one promise that we're given for sure, and that is Jesus is Lord. Amen? And when we understand that, that is when the blessings will flow because we have allowed him to be our provider, our peace, our comforter, our joy. I could go on and on. Amen? I want God. I want him to be the ruler of my life and the controller over everything. He takes away our anxiety. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Freedom comes in surrendering all that we have and all all that we are to the Lord. Surrender is the single most powerful tool to achieving financial freedom. Let me say that again. Surrender is the single most powerful tool to achieving financial freedom. A financial advisor, they may promise freedom if you allow him or her to invest your money, but even the savviest investor can't guarantee peace of mind. Do you hear me? Especially in today's economy, amen? Only God can do that. Only God can give you the peace that you need. Only God can give you the joy that you need. It's only through God. All of our trust has to be put in Him. I want us to do something this morning. And I know it may seem seem strange, but can we all stand all over this place? Who put that demonic tool up here? Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) y'all. Now imagine, I want everybody to stick your hand out. Hold it out in front of you. And I want you to imagine taking all your money, all your finances, all of your... uh, uh, valuables, all of your uh, everything that you have. Everything that, that you have that's yours, that you own, I want you to take it. And I want you to hold it out in front of you right now, and I want you to make this declaration. I want everyone to repeat this after me. Everybody say, Dear Jesus, everything I have is yours. All my finances, all my property, all my money, All my savings, I place it in your hands. I place my trust in you. I want to do what you want me to do. I give you my heart. Guide me in my finances. Lead me to give and save and live. I give you all I have. In Jesus' name, amen. And then I want you to release it to him this morning. And you can be seated. Can we pray for just a moment? And I'm going to finish up. Lord, I just come to you right now. I pray that every person that spoke that this morning, God, I pray that they believe it. I pray that they will receive it, that they will follow, they will walk in your steps and your guidance and your direction. And Lord, we give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. My question to you as I close this message is, did you mean it?
Let me just say this. We cannot expect our finances to be on the right path if we don't give them to God and let Him be the Lord of our life. We, we can't. And I truly believe that if there was a giant news story that said it is confirmed that God is not real, I believe that people would go about their business as usual. Now, listen to me. But if you were to tell someone that there is no money in their bank account, I believe they would completely lose their mind. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not here to point fingers. I'm not here to say, you, you do this or you do that. That's not what I'm here to tell you. I'm just truly telling you, I, this is what I truly believe is in our society today. We are driven by the love of money. And you say, say why do you mean I don't love money? We need money to do everything in this world, do we not? You want to you eat? It takes money, right? You want to go somewhere? It takes money. You want to have a roof over your head? It takes money. Do you, do you see where I'm going with this? Everything that we do in this world, it requires money. Money is everywhere. And you know, people say, well, all them preachers want to do is talk about money. Can I tell you that the Bible says, probably, it says more about money than it does any other subject? Do you know that? Why is it? Why do you think God said that? Because it's so hard for us to take that and to release it into him and allow him to take control of our finances. It's not easy to do. And I believe that's why he spoke to us so much about it in his word because he knew that we were going to struggle with it. And if they struggle with it during Bible times, how much more do you think we struggle now in an area where people don't seem to be as close to God. But if you're honest with yourself, think about the two statements I said. God not being real or that your bank account is empty. Which one do you think more people would freak out about? Which statement raises even our level of anxiety more? And for many of us, running out of money, it's, it's a great fear, is it not? We're afraid. We chase after it. We cling to what we do have. We hoard money. But today, this morning, I, I'm declaring what you said, that declaration that you just made. You have released that anxiety and you've given it to Jesus. We have to put our trust in Him. Amen? All of our trust.